You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. And here we go again, another Nine Finger Chronicles podcast coming at you. Today I'm going to be talking with Nate Thomas. He's also a network content provider. He is the host or one of the hosts of the Missouri Woods and Water podcast. Uh, Those guys are gaining a massive amount of traction this year. So even if you don't live in Missouri, go check out their podcast because it's really fun. It's a really entertaining podcast that I think uh, if you like to hunt, you're going to enjoy. Now today, we're going to talk about something that I don't do, and that's coyote hunt. And it's something that if I had more time, I'm sure I'd, I would like to do it. But uh, the guys over there at Missouri Woods and Water, man, they are nuts about coyote hunting. And they got the big old thermal scopes on their guns, and they go out at night, and uh, they hunt coyotes at night, they hunt coyotes at day. And whenever they're not deer hunting, they're hunting coyotes. And uh, this is a, a really fun episode because I honestly don't know shit about coyote hunting. So Nate schools me on that. We talk about calling in coyotes. We talk about deer hunting. We talk about the turkey population. It's a very good BS session, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So we're going to keep the intro short. Got to shout out the companies that sponsor this podcast. Uh, If it wasn't for them, this wouldn't be happening. You know, I've already talked a little bit about it, but I'm going to get into depth uh, a little bit more as the... uh, Uh, as we get deeper into spring and summer and that is a a new partnership with tethered i've been peer pressured for the most part into getting into a saddle by some of my hunting peers we'll just say that and so finally uh, i got a saddle and i'm going to be messing around with it i'm going to be shooting out of it and uh, i'm going to try to kill a deer out of it this year and i'm going to use it along with my run and gun tree stand setup Uh, i'm going to use the tethered saddle as a tool to kill deer so that's the goal wasp broadheads man i can't tell you how much i love that company uh those guys are doing some amazing things over there at wasp huge fan of their products i'm very confident in their product line so if you want to find out more information about uh, wasp visit wasparchery.com discount code nfc20 get you 20 percent if you're looking for a crossbow you need to go check out uh excalibur crossbows Uh, at excalibercrossbow.com if uh, you're looking for a pair of binoculars you need to go check out vortexoptics.com one of the best uh, heads so yeah we got vortex optics and then we have exodus trail cameras on top of all that Uh, if you want a trail camera that is consistent and you can feel confident in go check out exodusoutdoorgear.com and they got some big things coming down the pipe too Uh, a little bit different of a product category than uh than trail cameras so that's the thank yous tethered wasp excalibur hunt stand vortex exodus please go out support the companies that support this podcast and uh man Hope you guys enjoyed this nice little BS session I have with Nate Thomas of the Missouri Woods and Water podcast. Enjoy. 
three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me today from the guy who started it all on the Missouri Woods and Water podcast, Nate Thomas. <laughs> How's it going, man? What's up, man? <laughs> Good. You? I'm doing all right. Hey, I tell you what. You know what I, I think my favorite part about your podcast is? Is when you guys get into an argument about the person who delivers the introduction into the podcast <laughs> every week. It's like, that was horrible. You suck. And then you fight about it. Well, it's, it's bullshit because, uh, you know, I did it for like the first 75 episodes, I'd say. And then uh, Mike is like, you know, let somebody else try it. And I don't remember it. Andy started doing it and it sounded pretty good. So then we just started talking shit on each other. Who's the best at it? They, they don't let me do the dad jokes. They don't let me have any fun. I, you know, I got to do all the editing and all the other. I got to do all the work, but they get to have all the fun. So whatever. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just find that humorous. And that's like, so as the guy who has to uh, upload all the, the uh, stuff here on the network, when I... When I get your episode, I always make sure I listen to like the first three minutes of it, so I so I can hear you guys bitch and complain to each other about oh that intro sucked. Or <laughs> well, Love the it. other issue is like I'm pretty OCD, so one week Micah might say this is the Missouri Woods and Water podcast, and I'm like, well, dude, you're supposed to say welcome. Yeah, and he's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> So you have like a you have a checklist of things that have to be said in the intro, and these guys are just shooting from the hip. Not really. I'm just oh, okay. anal as hell, and that's how I started saying it. Like the first show we did, so that's how I did it for the next seventy five. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this on the network feed, I'm sure you guys have heard the Missouri Woods and Water podcast by now. But uh, before we kind of get into the uh the meat and potatoes of this episode which really there is no meat and potatoes it's just a bs session um a lot of doritos a lot of doritos what do you mean by that no meat and potatoes oh, Bunch oh of doritos. a lot of doritos i get it now i get it <laughs> <laughs> so so what what do you guys talk about on the missouri woods and water podcast oh uh, man we talk about pretty much everything i mean we we talk about what we like, obviously. So we, we mainly talk about whitetail and elk and coyote hunting for the most part, but we try to stay topical for the time of year. Yeah. Um, but we've had like recently we've had a, a several, uh, turkey episodes and, uh, we're going to try to throw some fishing in there and, you know, stuff that's topical for the time of year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we just talk about what we love and even stuff we don't love just so we can learn about it. Yeah. Uh, you guys, so yeah, you guys don't like coyote hunting that much, do you? Uh, no, we don't. We love it. <laughs> Dude, you guys are quickly, you guys quickly are like nuts game. about that. When it's not deer season, that's yeah. Now, Andy, uh, he would, he would almost argue he likes coyote hunting more than deer hunting. I think he's full of shit, but maybe he's, maybe he's right. Yeah. Uh, but if it's not deer season or elk season, uh, for us, I mean, yeah, that's, and, and I think, I think it's also, it's newer to all three of us as far as the last few years. Yeah. Like, like Andy's been hunting deer for as long as he could, you know, crawl. Yeah. So, you know, he's been doing that forever. Well, coyote hunting has really been in the last few years for all three of us. And it's just like any other fun thing you do, like, uh, archery hunting for for a whitetail right you can you can go down a giant ass rabbit hole yeah with release just every little thing you want to do with a bow yeah it's just, it's no different than coyote hunting yeah with with coyote hunting so you can like dude i've I hope my wife's not hearing me but i've uh <laughs> i have famous last words three different rifles in the last couple months and you know, you got suppressors and now you got night hunting in Missouri where you can do that. And it's, it is a lot of fun. It, yeah. It's totally different than, than deer hunting, which is why I think all of us love it because it's so opposite of it that it's, it's just a hell of a, it's a different rush than, yeah. than deer hunting is for me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Still so, not my number one though, man. Deer okay. hunting will always be my number one. Uh, but it's it's definitely in second place. Yeah. All right. So let's shelf coyote hunting just for a second because I want to get back to that and ask you some questions of what you like, what you see and stuff. But let's talk a little bit about what 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 do you actually do for a living? 
<laughs> okay, this is the this is the hardest question to answer. <laughs> I'm a I'm a safety guy. Okay, so my job is basically driving around telling people not to be stupid. Like put your finger into a fan. Yeah, like why would you why would you do that? <laughs> but people do, and so then I got to be like, hey, don't put your finger into a fan. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> that, that's my job. I drive around the states of Missouri, Kansas, and Iowa telling people not to be dumbasses. Yeah. Yeah. You know what really pisses me off is when you come up this far and then you don't text me. And then, because you literally drive <laughs> one mile from where I live and you don't stop. I have done that before, yes. Dude, I feel, I feel a little upset about that. Yeah. Um, one time I forgot. I will say that. <laughs> Okay. Another time, another time I, you were busy. I do remember that one. I you're gotcha. like, oh, damn, we should. And other times I'm just tired as hell and I want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> hey, dude, I do not blame you on that. I don't blame you one bit. Get home. So, okay, safety guy. Um, so if someone gets sucked into a machine or something like OSHA violation hurts someone, you got to deal with all that. Yeah. I mean, not OSHA stuff, but yeah. Like if you if you chop your finger off in a fan. Yeah. Uh, I don't do that. I'm not that guy, but, uh, in general, I would have told you, it's not a good idea to stick your finger or your hand in there, Dan, when, gotcha. when back when you did that. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. <laughs> so we got, we got that. I tell you what, if the, if we ever hire a safety guy, uh, I'll, you'll be the first on the list to get the job. We're going to be the most dangerous outdoor <laughs> podcast network. It's like, all right, we're going to shoot from a moving golf cart, this fire arrow into a pile of, of, uh, diesel cans, all right. Mm-hmm. And then you'd be like, no, you, we shouldn't do that. There you go. See, yeah. you, that's the key word. You shouldn't do that. But then it would be pretty cool if we did it, though. But I would say, hey, guys, be safe. Okay, be safe about it. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to be over here. So when that thing explodes, I won't get hurt. Just you. Told you so. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Okay. Let's go back to coyote hunting. All right. When it comes to people bitching about things like oh, oh turkey population blame the coyote deer population blame the coyote pheasant population blame the coyote anything is the coyote anything you know oh man something's killing my my livestock that's a that's a coyote problem all right so hear, yeah, at, you hear that a lot yeah as a as a coyote hunter right um, and I've I've seen this these little waves come and go. Um, so there was there was one there was two years in a row where there was a heavy population of coyotes on the main farm that I hunt. And so I um, put a whole bunch of trail cameras out. Dude, I had like I think there was like eleven or twelve coyotes in one trail camera picture in one year. Jesus, right? They came through. Obviously, the deer population was down. It wasn't zero, but it was down. And then. It kind of rebounded. Then I hardly got any the last two years, three years, knock on wood. I hadn't, I don't have any, hardly any coyote pictures at all on, on camera, but, and, and then the deer population seems to rebound and the deer hunting seems to be a little bit better. When you guys go out and deer hunt or uh, and coyote hunt, and maybe you clean up, like, do you ever see that? Um, the end result of that, either in pheasants or turkey or deer in that following spring or, or the next year? I want to say no, but maybe we actually are because I think you share the same uh, feelings about turkey hunting that I do. I'll do it, but I don't love it, love yeah. it like a lot of people do. And a lot of that is because throughout my life, I have not really had turkeys where I where I hunt. So it's not very fun to hunt something that's not there. Yeah. Well, I actually went turkey hunting this morning and I heard more gobbles in five minutes than I've heard in my entire life. Oh, wow. I didn't kill a bird, but that makes for a fun hunt. Absolutely. And uh, so I feel like maybe it is helping, but, you know, at the same time, like we've had biologists on with MDC, which is Missouri Department of Conservation, and the coyote is so good at filling holes yeah. that if you took out, let's just say like where I live, if you did a five mile radius from my house and I killed 40 coyotes in two months, 
all you're going to do is bring coyotes in from surrounding areas and fill those holes in. They're so good at adapting to their environments and knowing where they can be and not be that it's almost, it's almost a losing battle. Yeah. But it's never a bad thing to kill them. So, I mean, you know, I don't think it hurts when you take out that many, but they just, they're so good at surviving that you would literally, the way she explained it to us, you would have to wipe the coyote off the continental, the continent of North America to have any bearing on the population of coyotes. Hmm. Even if you took, like, let's say you, you wiped off, wiped out every coyote out of the entire state of Missouri tomorrow, right? The way she explained it within a few months, surrounding coyotes from other states would would be there and moving into those areas that have been vacated power vacuum of sorts yeah yeah they're so good at, at, at moving and getting to where they need to get that it doesn't really matter yeah so i feel like we're helping for sure but really what i think we need to do is deal with these raccoons and uh oh that's a fact uh you know and I, habitat loss is i think the biggest problem for turkeys you know if you're just talking about turkeys and their issues but, uh, dude, when we, we went thermal hunting this year, this is Missouri's second year that had thermal hunting and you're out there scanning with your thermal, uh, scope and you go, you know, down this tree line and you can count like a dozen coons up in the trees. Oh, wow. Just one farm. Like they're just all over the place. And the yeah. raccoon is the largest nest predator that there is. Right. So, uh, that makes sense as to why the the turkeys hurting. You know, they're they're losing their their habitat more and more every day, and there's raccoons running all over the place eating eggs. So yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I feel like we're helping, but I don't I don't know that it's as big as we would like it to be. It's almost like treading water. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's not yeah. like you're really fighting any war. It's just like this continuous battle of maybe maybe being property specific so for uh, a guy who's a habitat manager he may he may see results if he consistently traps coons and shoots coyotes right like that's that's how he does it on his farm but just like what you said they fill those holes they fill those gaps others are just going to move in you know as far as the coyotes are concerned man they just there's and, and as far as an ecosystem is concerned, it's not, it's probably not healthy to remove a predator 100% from the ecosystem because then yeah. when you do that, it just throws everything else out of whack. You know, I wouldn't mind if there was a couple coyote running around a farm that I had that maybe ate rabbits and, and ate, I mean, from my understanding, coyote doesn't even. I mean, yeah, during fawning season, they probably are a threat to newborn uh, fawns. But outside of that, when I would talk to a biologist here in Iowa, they pretty much just eat varmints like mice and oh, yeah. and rats and, and uh, you know. Dead stuff. Yeah, dead stuff and, and um, like. Yeah, other... like a coyote doesn't yeah. actively hunt deer. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I mean, if they see a hurt deer and they're on its ass or, like you said, a, fawn, a baby fawn, they're an opportunistic hunter. So yeah. if they, if they cross paths with a fawn that just dropped, yeah, they're going to eat it. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, they don't actively hunt deer. Uh, cause a deer is obviously bigger than a coyote and you know, it would take several of them. I'm not saying they can't do it and they've done it. They've, they've taken down full grown deer before, but it's more of an opportunistic thing. I mean, they'd much rather be, you know, eating dead stuff and you know, rabbits who don't put up a fight. Yeah. You know, yeah, one of the coolest thing I think I've ever seen. I was sitting in a tree stand. Two two coyotes came out of the woods and they were just cruising this fence line. They hit a a buffer strip in this ag field, and they were just trotting along. And then they just stopped. Both of them stopped at the exact same time. And I thought, I don't know, I, for some reason I thought maybe they caught my scent, but they stopped. One jumped in this grass, got a rabbit. And then they just pulled it and they pretty much just pulled it apart and they each got a half of this rabbit. And I was just like, whoa, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, but at the same time, there was other deer in this field. They watched it, this all go down, but they didn't run from, from that. So I don't know. It's like, I, I think that the next step for me is to get actually just like you guys have get an actual coyote professional on the podcast to talk about, you know, what actual impact they have on 
the ecosystem as a predator. I mean, I don't, I just don't see coyotes going through an area unless it's like a herd, of, you know, a pack of 20 of them, just like decimating an entire deer population. They're not wolves, right? No, I don't either. Yeah. But, you know, and like at the same time, you hear, which is good for us because, you know, when a farmer gives you permission, it is so much easier to get permission to hunt a coyote than it is deer. Right. Because right. farmers don't like them. He's like, you know, kill them all, kill them all. Well, yeah. you're never going to, first off. But secondly, you know, I, I I don't want all the coyotes dead. I love coyote hunting. Yeah. It it is, a, it is an enjoyable thing to do. You're, you are helping. I mean, I, are you making a huge difference? Maybe, maybe not. And, uh, you know, honestly, you have to respect the coyote. You know, if you really think about it, it's probably the most successful predator in North America. Good way to look at it. Do yeah. you see wolves all over the place? No. Do you see mountain lions all over? The coyote can live anywhere you put it. Yeah. And not only can it live there, it can thrive there. Yeah. Throw it in the city, it'll it'll figure it out. Yeah. Throw it in Alaska, it'll figure it out. It can it can it is really a really it's a it's an amazing predator if you actually think about it. Yeah. And some people might not think it, but I actually think they're beautiful. I mean, some of them can be ugly as hell. Yeah. We get that, but dude, there, there's some really beautiful coyotes out there. Yeah. So I mean, I feel you know, it's it's a it's a pretty awesome animal. I mean, they just like to kill stuff we like is the only bad thing. Yeah. So while you're while you guys are out there hunting them, like. Talk to uh, talk to me about what you've observed them do as far as whether they're a pack animal or, or in like body language and, and how they behave. What's cool about them is they are so smart. You know, so like you got a dog, or maybe you've had a dog. I've yeah. got a dog. They learn real fast. So the only thing that sucks about coyotes is they are smart. So if you call one in, let's say, and you miss or you you get busted a lot of people that are coyote hunters call it educating the dog and you have just made it a lot harder to kill that dog the next time yeah. because they remember things. They, they, uh, they'll make sure to, to get your win next time instead of maybe coming in a little, um, recklessly the time that you messed it up. And they, it's just amazing. You can watch them think if you see them from far enough away, which where we're at, we don't get that, a lot because we have a lot of timber and so you know sometimes a 300 400 yard shot is like the furthest shot you could possibly have in the first place but if you really get to watch them i mean you can you can you can watch their brain work and you can almost you know if they decide to, to try to get your wind it's amazing you think a deer has a good nose dan yeah dude a coyote has like a nose that's seven times stronger than a deer's really yeah Huh. Yeah, that, we learned that from our, our biologist, too, that we had on. So you you think you're going to trick a deer? Probably not, right? There's zero chance you're going to trick a coyote. I mean, I have seen a coyote hit where we walked by, walking in, catch our boot, and bolt immediately. Like, yeah. boom, gone. And you've seen deer do that before as well, but it's just amazing that it's 300 yards down, you know, where we were walking in or something, and it was an hour ago and yet it still hits that and is gone yeah um they're 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 just super smart and you can you can watch them think which is pretty cool yeah and it's what's crazy is i i look at a whitetail and then i look at a coyote and i say well the especially in iowa okay the biggest wild animal in uh, from a prey standpoint, let's just call it a deer prey and a coyote predator. <laughs> yeah. The biggest is the whitetail, and the the biggest in as far as a predator is is concerned, you know, maybe a mountain lion. If, if they, you know, they, they say they have them in Iowa, you know, they're right. they're not like a, a coyote. So established population, yeah, exactly established population. A coyote is on that same level, right? So the top, the top of the predators is the coyote, and the top of the prey is the the whitetail. And like you said, their brains are probably the same in, in some aspect, but the whitetail is more of a binary, you know, a, a binary d decision maker. I'm afraid I will run. I am hungry. I will eat. Type of things, where a coyote, and I, just like you said, I, I've seen them where they're just like, ooh. 
All right. They're, they're actually making, they're thinking something out. They're making a decision and they're saying, this is bad for me. I, I got to run. And so it's less yeah. binary, more of like a cognitive thought. And, um, again, I'm not a biologist. This is just from observations. Oh, I agree. Hundreds like, I think, of years. I think a, a coyote is curious. Yeah. And a deer is skittish. Yeah. Right. Like if you give a deer any reason to, to peace out, it will do it. Yeah. Right. Most of the time. I mean, right. if they're dumb, you know, mature, you're not, if you give a mature buck a reason to be skittish, he will be. Yeah. He will, he will leave. If you give a reason to, for a coyote to think harder or, or, you know, like be curious about something, you'll see him go, wait a minute. Hmm. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me go over here and look. Yeah. All right. How come I don't see that, that rabbit? Oh, okay. Let me do this. And that's what I think is cool is they're, they, they both act differently. Yeah. They're just, one's curious and, you know, just almost like it's, uh, it's thinking about how it's going to kill what it's coming to. Right. And a deer is always on edge. Yeah. At least the deer I hunt. I'm sure it's the same with you. Yeah. They're always, you know, putting their head down, up, head down, up. And if they, you can tell like, when, when they're thinking, they're trying to catch you. Um, you know, you've seen a deer where, like, it puts its head down, acts like it's going to feed, and then right back up. Yeah. It's like they're they're trying to figure out, am I in trouble? Right. That's how they're thinking, whereas a coyote's thinking, how am I going to kill this? Yeah. It's just kind of different mindsets for both animals. Yeah. So with that said, then, you're like, when you guys are doing your setups and you're maybe calling uh, and a coyote – uh, is coming in. Have you ever witnessed one like make a decision? So you said you can see them thinking they're, they're coming into you calling. They make the decision and they're just like, dude, I just don't feel right. And then they peace out and you, and, or they, they loop all the way around you and make a, you know, they bust you from a different angle. Yeah. Oh, actually I'll give you a quick story. Uh, we were, uh, thermal hunting. So night hunting. Yep. Um, and we get set up, uh, these, these coyotes must've already been educated where we were at. And, uh, I was with Andy actually, and this was the coolest thing I've ever seen, honestly. So we start calling and immediately we see two coyotes stand up in this waterway. I don't know, let's say 200 yards away from us. Okay. Those coyotes could have come straight into us. Right. Right. That they could have, but they didn't have our wind obviously, or we would have been screwed. Instead, we watched those coyotes run no less than 1,500 yards, dead sprint. And if you imagine like, okay, they were, they were let's say, at 12 o'clock, they ran all the way around us to 6 o'clock, came right up behind us and busted us. Dang. Like they knew, I don't know that they knew something was up, but they had obviously been messed with before, so they weren't going to take a chance. So they went all the way out of their way to make sure that what they were hearing was another coyote and it wasn't, it was us and yeah. they won. We lost. Yeah. So now they're even going to be harder to kill because at nighttime coyotes are much easier to kill in general. But if you educate a coyote at night, that, that's probably going to make it a lot harder on you. Yeah. So, well, and, and I'm sure you've been there before, but I, I have a, a perfect example of that same kind of thing happening from a, from a whitetail standpoint, right? You do a rattling sequence. And this one year I, I was in, I hunted this stand like three days in a row because I'd been seeing great activity down in this river bottom. And I could see, I was in this staging area, but the, the leaves were all off the tree. So I could see into this big ag field and I watch this giant eight pointer come out of the river. And so I, I rattle and he's walking straight towards me and then he gets to this low spot in the field and he takes kind of a quartering angle towards me. He goes through all this thick stuff and he ends up coming up behind me and busting me. Right. And this is before I knew anything. Like he, he got a scent. He, he got the scent. So I had just, you know, started doing my mobile thing, right. Where it's like, okay, I understand now that this buck um, knows where I'm at. So I moved up this field edge again, or further to kind of where he was going before I, uh, before I rattled at him. 
that turned him this way, got downwind to me, busted me. So I'm, I go up maybe, I'm going to say 150, 200 yards up this, this little uh, waterway. And sure enough, he comes out of the same hole again. And it, I look back at this now and I say, I should have been over where he came out immediately. Uh, and I don't know why I didn't. I, I felt like my wind was going to blow into where he was coming from. But anyway, so I move up and he's walking the field edge opposite of me. And I rattle again, uh, and, and he stops, and he looks in my direction, He and he starts walking towards me and stops. And he turns around, and he walks that field, that opposite field edge up, oh, and he just oh, straight up ignored me that, that one almost time. Almost like he remembered that. Yeah, almost like. And, yeah, like. and so I don't know if he actually did remember it, but, dude, I have I – have, I have seen so many deer throughout my years come downwind uh, at a rattling sequence that it like, I don't like, there's times where I'm afraid to bl- that. That's why I don't blind rattle anymore. Right. Like it's gotta be, I have to have a very secure backstop where the, I know the deer aren't going to come around me, but man, I don't know. It, it, it's uh it's one of those things where coyote, like these animals, they're very in tune with their environment. And so they, Dude, you're, they know. you're in their living room. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I don't know, Dude, man. I, I have never, I don't think I've ever been successful rattling. That's, that's what's like, maybe I have, maybe on the younger bucks. Actually, I have, I take that back on a really young buck. But do you remember, you've only done about 700 shows. So I, I, uh, <laughs> I expect you to remember this. You remember when you and I first met, you had me on your show back in like 2017 when I killed a buck named uh, uh, Basket Case. Okay. And I was also hunting this deer named Sub-Zero. Yep. All right. Well, I never killed Sub-Zero that year. The next year, Sub-Zero was even bigger, but then he ended up breaking off half of his right side during Velvet for some reason. Well, I ended up seeing him on the hoof during the season. And he was working his way out into this field. And I was probably 80 yards. You know, he didn't have my wind. I was good there. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to kill this deer. I don't care if he's got half a rack. I know he's probably five. I want this deer. Um, he's going to die. He's he's a deer I wanted. So I'm like, I'm going to rattle at him. And, dude, I no more than started rattling. And I look up at him, and I've never seen a deer bust ass so fast away from me. Oh, yeah. It's like I smacked him right in the ass. Yeah. And I'm just like. Seen that, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yep. either I suck at rattling or he doesn't want to get his ass kicked again this right. year or something. Right. Uh, it was just, and that was really the, like the second time I've really had a deer. I've had deer just straight up ignore rattling. Yep. Um, I had, well, the deer I killed, uh, last season or no, two seasons ago, uh, that I nicknamed Scorpion, you know, mortal combat. Mortal combat. Yep. Yep. Uh, he ignored me when I rattled at him, but when I snort wheezed at him, he came tearing out of this uh, this little thing. He had a doe inside, 250 yards just straight at me. Yeah, you know, so the rattling didn't bother them bother him, but when I snort wheezed at him, he's he was like, "I'm done with you now." So it's just crazy how like they all they react. Every deer has its own personality. Yeah, I'm assuming. At least I think, you know, I, I look at him like an individual person would be. Yeah. You're different than I am. I'm different than Micah. So it's just crazy to see how some react to it and some react totally differently in the same situation even. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, that's why I think we all love hunting, right? Oh, yeah. It's just, yep. It's just uh, it's fun. And this calling thing, it really intrigues me because there's there's times where, like, obviously the focus in my – like where I'm at in my hunting career right now is on the biggest, baddest buck on the property that I can hunt. All right. So usually that's mature where I hunt and here in Iowa, that's like a four, five year old or older animal. You know, they, so which tree, which tree do you pick that, that year? <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, isn't there a 150 inch deer? Oh, every, yeah, every tree? yeah. Dude, I, I have to, <laughs> I bump them out of the woods every time I walk in. <laughs> I, I only, I only, I only shoot the, the, the big if that was the case man i i would be like I, I was looking at my wall like and i've only measured one deer i shouldn't say that i've measured a couple but the biggest deer of mine 
that I've ever scored was because my my stepdad peer pressured me. He's like, man, you got to score that deer. You got to score. It. And he's he's one fifty four, right? And so like for me, that's that's a giant deer. And that's that's big. And that deer yep. looks gigantic in, in on my wall, right? How he's positioned and, and everything like that. He's a nine pointer, one hundred fifty four inches. And so I would I feel like I would shoot that deer every single year if every if, year if that deer came by me every single year that's a that's a big giant deer so so the fact that people get obsessed with like this 170 inch number or now nowadays i feel like it, like if it's under 200 people don't give a shit i'm like are you kidding me like if you boil it down even in the state of iowa 140 is still a really good deer I don't think people realize no because you hear 140 and some people yeah you they give it a negative connotation yeah which first off I don't care right. what you choose to to harvest with your tag right so if all you want to do is go after 200 inch deer more power to you yeah if all you want to do is shoot a buck that has legal points more power to you yeah but I don't think people realize what 140 inches takes yeah yeah. And that's you at know, least out to the ears on a t- even on a ten pointer, right? And they got to have mass. I mean, it, yeah. you know, it it takes quite a bit to hit 140 inches, and yeah, I mean, I'm the same way. I don't, I don't care. I yeah. just if the deer gets my blood pumping, yeah, I want to kill a mature deer. But if if, I mean, I damn near. I, I think you and I talked about it this year. Uh, I damn near pulled the, my bow back on a probably 125 inch eight pointer this year. Yeah. Because he was sitting there asking for it, and I, I was having a hard time, you know, controlling myself, and I ended yeah. up letting him pass, and yeah, it was a good decision. But, yeah. um, and if I would have shot him, damn right, I would have been proud about him. I mean, yeah. I mean, I can't stand when people are, you know, say, well, it wasn't, it's, you know, it's not, it's not 150 inches, but you know, whatever. Well, that's kind of disrespectful to the deer you just killed. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. You chose to harvest it, you know. Enjoy it. Don't, don't. You know, social media is cool. I, it's I'm not. not. It's really not it. cool. No, I'm not a huge fan of it. But <laughs> uh, that's one of the worst things it's done. Is you know, everybody's got an opinion on what you did. Yeah. And if yeah. you're happy, post post your picture of your deer. Enjoy your you know your harvest, and be happy about it. Don't say, well, he's no 160 or whatever. Just yeah. be happy. Um, I'm happy for you. I'll never, I'll never, uh, what do you call it? Talk down to somebody who, you know, is excited about what they killed because first off, I didn't pay for your tag. You yeah. did. So you, you use it how you wanted to. And, uh, I think people would be a lot better off if they just did it that way. Or just stop caring about what other people thought. That, that'd be, that'd too. be awesome too. Yep. <laughs> so, I, hey, I want to, I want to just go back to calling for just a second because like, I, I, that's something that I get, I, I, I'm very intrigued with uh, from the whitetail behavior standpoint, because like you said, there's times where, you know, you can rattle and you can just catch a deer right and they'll come like a frozen rope right into you. Sometimes they hold up, sometimes they come in within shooting range. Um, this year was like something special as well because I forgot my grunt tube in the truck and I snort wheezed the buck that, and he's, He's a five-year-old, so I snort wheezed in a five-year-old buck into 10 yards, and so that was awesome. That also had a couple other deer just snort wheezing coming in, I just, you know, because they were too close to rattle, and and so I, I rattled in the buck that I didn't get a shot opportunity on, and I'm glad I didn't, and then the, the one, the buck that I ended up shooting didn't have my grunt tube so i just snort wheezed at him and he got real aggressive and started raking there's other times where just like you i've rattled at a deer and they just uh uh-uh, they split away I rattle at a deer and they don't even acknowledge it snort wheeze at a deer they don't even acknowledge it grunt at a deer they don't even acknowledge it and so to me I, it's like they there are times when they just don't care about anything I, I don't even know what I, I I'm, I'm trying to sit here and think of what is going through their mind or what, what mission are they trying to accomplish when they're walking a field edge the first week of November 
and I rattle at them and they don't, they don't even lift their head up. I know they hear it because I would hear it and they got way better hearing than me. So it's just, it blows my mind. Like, why are they ignoring this? Is it because every Tom, Dick and Harry is rattling at them and grunting at them? And I I don't think so, but I could be wrong, man. I don't know. I, I just find that really intriguing. Me too. And I wish I was a better hunter yeah. to know those things because I, I, you know, this is one of the great things about our doing a podcast is you get to talk to people that are a lot smarter and better than you are. Right. And you know, they'll, they'll say something and I'll just be like, I never thought of that. But yeah. I, I honestly think once again, it just, maybe he's tired and he got his <laughs> ass kicked yesterday. I mean, like, okay, let's, let's just, let's say you got in a fight yesterday, right? Yeah. Some, some dude talked shit to your wife and you got in a fight with him. Okay? okay. And he kicked your butt. Okay. All right. Now today you're walking outside and some guy yells across the street at you again. Hey, I'm going to kick your butt. You might just like grab your newspaper and run back in the house. Right. All right. I'm, I, I'm tired of this. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't want to get my ass <laughs> you kicked. You can have her. <laughs> so... <laughs> Maybe that it's just like as simple as that, and we try to read into it real yeah. because that's what we do as hunters. We read, I at least read into every little tiny thing, and yeah. I overanalyze yeah. with deer hunting. I overanalyze every little thing, and you got a you got a small snapshot of that last year when I was I texted you and called you during the season a little bit. <laughs> that was a small <laughs> snapshot. Andy and Micah get <laughs> much worse than that, and uh, so like it's a. It's it's awesome to do, but sometimes I just think it's well, maybe he's just hungry and he just got his ass kicked yesterday and he doesn't feel like it. Yeah. And if you would have got him yesterday before that fight, he might come running in. Yeah. You know, I, I just it's hard to say, man. And that's what I think makes hunting so fun and calling is you really don't know what you're gonna get when you do it. And nine times out of ten, at least for me, it's not what I was hoping. <laughs> but uh you know, that one time he comes running in is pretty cool, isn't it? Oh, that's a fact. Yeah, so that's why, I don't know, I just, I just, I love calling. I love calling deer. Um, so let's see here. Uh, from a, so coyote hunting, deer hunting. Uh, so deer hunting is number one. Coyote hunting is number two. Do you have a third favorite uh, for your, your outdoor lineup? Well, it's actually like deer one elk 1a oh i forgot then uh then coyotes okay yeah okay and honestly i mean i have hunted probably four times now for turkeys this year yep and i have had fun uh i took my sons andy and i took my sons hunting last week sometime and uh we actually end up walking right in on the birds roosted and so we kind of had to like set up real quick and they ended up flying down the opposite direction. But that's, that was fun. My sons, yeah. like my, uh, my oldest son was like, dad, I'm, I'm shaking. I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's called bird flu. <laughs> and, uh, I can't take credit for that. That was, that was a term. One of my friends, Scott Wilbur has that term, but, uh, shout out Scott. Uh, yeah, Scott, great, great Turkey call maker, great Turkey call maker, even better Turkey hunter. But, that happened. Uh, I had a situation happen today, which was really cool. I heard probably more gobbles in the first five minutes of daylight than I've heard in my entire life. And actually had a hen like five feet in front of me. I could have reached out and wrung her neck. Like that's how close she was. And just never had the Tom come in. It was still cool as hell though. Yeah. So I would say turkey hunting is number three, but you know, springtime's just so damn busy for me Yeah. where I'm at in my life. And I typically haven't had great tur- turkey hunting spots outside of, you know, maybe it's starting to get better, uh, that it's, it still doesn't like, there's some dudes and I love them for it that are just ate up with it. It's, yeah. it's all they can think about a lot of times I'll go turkey hunting. I really have fun doing it. I do want to kill a bird, but if I don't kill one this year, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Yeah. Like I would if I missed on, you know, noob Sabbath last year or something like that, yeah. which is, the deer I killed last year, yeah, Mortal Kombat again. <laughs> you, you like Mortal Kombat, dude? Yeah, that's that's how I nickname my deer. Uh, we've talked about this before. I'm not very, uh, what do you call it? Uh, that's creative. 
creative. I would say so that's creative. Combat character names. Yeah. It, hey, it's better than the Big Ten or split the split G two buck. <laughs> hey, shout out to Micah. You hear that? Dan is making fun of you right now without even knowing it. Oh, so that's what that's the kind of that's how he names his deer. Micah thinks naming nicknaming deer is stupid. Okay, but he gives him no. a name of the split G two buck. He'll be like, oh, that yeah, the big the big eight, and I'm like, well, what big eight? Yeah. And I said, wouldn't it be so much easier if I said basket case or whatever? And we both knew which deer we were talking about. And uh, he's like, no, it's stupid. So uh, he always gives me crap for for uh, nicknaming my deer, but whatever. I guess to each their own. To each their yep, own. Yep. So I, I mean, it is a little bit silly, but I enjoy it. So. Oh, I love it. I love it. When I when I was back in the day before kids, I, I named every single deer. I named ev- I gave every single one of them because you don't know if the next year that deer is going to uh, turn into some kind of uh, giant, right? Have that, have that bump that yeah. puts him on the hit list. And then you have a reference point for him. So I, I've, exactly. th- there was not only have I, or there, there has been a ton of deer that I've named watch grow up and then never kill someone else. They just disappeared or somebody else killed them. So, yeah. so yeah, there's that. Um, my deer, my deer this last year, noob Sabbath. Yeah, he's actually the first deer I've ever named, watched grow up, and then killed. Yeah, and and zero percent chance that it's a different deer. Like zero. I know for a fact, the deer I killed last year is the deer I've seen for three years. Yeah, he, he, you know his rack is just there's no way it's somebody else. Yeah, so that was awesome because there's been other years. Like I killed a deer nicknamed Scorpion last year. I'm pretty sure we have a few years of. Uh, what do you call that history with him? Right. But I'm not like a hundred percent positive. That was him. Yeah. You know, he, he's a big wide 10, you know, he didn't have a lot of character other than that. He was really, really typical. So it could have been hit the one from last year, which I think it was, but it also could have been another big ass 10 that moved in <laughs> that just looked alike him. Yeah. So, so Missouri I mean, and you guys covered this on one of your podcasts. Missouri actually has a elk season though now, right? Yeah, yeah. So, what would like? Are you and the Missouri Woods and Water crew actively applying to hunt elk in Missouri, or is it is it one of those things yeah. where it just it probably won't happen? Yeah, we we we've applied both years. Um, it only costs like twenty bucks to apply as a resident. So, first off, why wouldn't you? Right. Yeah. You can't, you can't apply as a non-resident. So only residents can apply. And the first year there was like 20,000 applicants for five tags, right? Pretty shitty odds, but it's 20 bucks. Yeah. Last year, only like 9,000 people put in for it. Okay. So you have a a five and 9,000 chance. So what's that? Like one in 1500. Yeah. I mean, that's not horrible odds. (laughs) It's better than, I mean, better than some odds you got out there in the world dude and that's so, uh, th- that first year that's 400 you said twenty thousand dollars twenty thousand people, people at 20 bucks a pop that's four hundred thousand dollars for conservation yeah. to hunt five elk yeah that's pretty awesome <laughs> that's a lot of money yeah yeah so then the next year you said was yeah it dropped like nine thousand or something like that i could be off a little bit on my numbers let's but... just let's just call it nine that's still a hundred and eighty thousand for five elk yeah five elk again right and I, it might move up next year uh who knows but um the first year all five hunters were successful but they all not that this is a bad thing i'm just giving stats they all harvested that elk with a rifle they didn't get anything during uh archery season okay this year a dude killed one with a bow actually two dudes i think killed one with a bow and then um I don't know if all five were successful, honestly, now that I think of it. Can't remember. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, the Elk in Missouri are confined. Not They're not confined. They're free range. But they're still down south um, in around an area called Peck Ranch. So they're really in, a, like, a three-county area for the most part. I mean, I'm sure there's more. But the largest part of the herd is still kind of confined to that area of Missouri. Um, so if you can get on them, you know where they are. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty, I mean, the Ozark mountains are, you know, it's not, it's not a, a flat walk or anything like that. It's, it's some work to, to hunt them. Yeah. 
So is this is this a like scenario like they they live on all private ground or is there a chance that you can kill them in uh in some you know some some public like a uh, like a random guy does not have to use an outfitter or doesn't have to pay a trespassing fee to get to them. Yeah. So a lot of that area down there is public land. Oh, okay. Uh, now there is an area, I don't know if it's called a sanctuary or or what, but Peck Ranch itself is an actual like conservation area. They cannot be hunted there at all. Okay. But then there's public ground and private that border it that you can hunt. Um, and then um, I think a lot of people down there will give the people who draw the tags, you know, permission or whatever. I don't know. Obviously, I haven't hunted them, so I don't know how it works. We've talked to a few guys that, that did get to hunt them, and they got permission on some private ground to, to hunt them because the elk were on them or whatever. But um, there's there's quite a bit of public land down there. It's, it's a huge piece of public down there. Yeah. So Missouri's got a lot of public land, actually, um, and some really cheap-ass deer tags. Yeah. So, uh, Missouri, northern Missouri, just because it borders Iowa, there's a chance, you know, depending on how my season goes, if I harvest early or decide to go somewhere the first week in November instead of hunt Iowa, I might actually go hunt Missouri this year, north, like some public in northern Missouri. Yeah, there's a giant piece of public up north. Yeah. Uh, I think it's called Mark Twain National Forest. Yeah. Yep. I know exactly where that's at. Yep. It's big, and I know I know I'm sure it gets pressured, but that's public ground. Yeah. So I mean, there's some 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 absolute toads that get killed up there. I think every year. Yeah. Are you are you going now? Keeping with the elk theme here, are you going to uh, Colorado again this year, or a different state this year for elk? Yeah. No. Sounds like we're going back to Colorado. I didn't draw Arizona or New Mexico, which I figured. Yeah. Um, and. We've been putting in points for Wyoming, but I don't know if I'm going to buy points this year, to be honest with you. Because uh, you heard about, you know, what they did with, uh, was it moose in Wyoming or whatever? Uh-uh. Or, um, I could be getting this wrong, but they basically cut the number of out-of-state tags down to almost nothing that you can draw now. And that was with moose and one other species, might have been bear, I can't remember which one. Well, in my opinion, the writing's on the wall for the rest of the species, which would include muleys, elk, you know, sheep. So I'm worried that I'm going to put in for Wyoming for the next, you know, three years and then finally have enough to draw. And then they change, they change it and I'm SOL. So I kind of, I don't know what to do because that was the plan is to kind of put, to buy points in different states. And so that each year I could have enough points to maybe draw one of them. Right. And then the next year, draw another one and just kind of move around from Wyoming to Colorado to, and then Arizona is more like a 10 year plan. Hopefully like within 10 years, we get to go there. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I have, uh, I don't know. That's a, that's kind of strange. The way I look at that is, you know, moose aren't as heavily populated in Wyoming, I would say as mule deer and elk are, but I know that they're the, the whole, you know, resident, non-resident thing in Western states is more of a hot topic than, you know, obviously the only place I can go to hunt elk is in a state with elk in it. And, you know, I I could say, Hey, you know, I'm going to go hunt Missouri. Well, you have to be a resident. You have to be a resident to help hunt elk in Kentucky. And (laughs) I think Pennsylvania too. So I don't know. Uh, but I have a ton, you know, I don't have a ton, but I'll have seven or eight preference points for Wyoming elk when I buy my point this year, but every year it just keeps going up and up and up as far as, you know, point creeps concerned. So either I'm going to have to be patient and, and, uh, wait until the unit that I want to hunt, I get in like, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 preference points, or I just say, ah, I'm going to go hunt a different unit where it, not, it might potentially not be as good. I don't know. I, I'm not a, I'm not a, um, I, I'm not a, uh, those, I'm not one of those guys who knows the ins and outs of point right. creep and how to, how to stagger preference points and how to rotate states and things like that. I just usually go to over the counter states and hunt my balls off. And if I'm <laughs> successful, I'm successful. Same. If I'm not, Same. I'm not. 
I'm get we're getting better at it. Uh, like trying to figure out how to get like we we had a unit in Colorado where it was good, so we didn't buy points. Well, then when it got bad, we were like, oh shit, what do we do? Yeah, we didn't have any points anywhere, so it's not like we were gonna draw. And uh, New Mexico is a strictly lottery state, right? So you can you don't have to have points in New Mexico. You just put in there. Yeah. And if you draw, you draw. If you don't, you don't. Um, so, like, we, we started putting in for New Mexico now every year because of that. And then we, we just were like, okay, well, what's some other states we would like to hunt so that we don't get stuck in this OTC unit if it keeps getting worse? And so we're still way behind. The, like, I'm going to have three points in Wyoming after this year. Yeah. Three points in Arizona. Dude, you know how far I am away from ever getting to hunt Arizona? <laughs> I'm going to be 60 freaking years old before I get to hunt right, that place. Right. But, you know, at least I got a chance. Yep. So, so I don't you're know. telling me there's a chance. <laughs> I might be old and decrepit by the time <laughs> I, I draw it, but hey. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Well, all right. So we're going to be winding this one up, but what's the goal? What's, what's the, the high-level goals of this upcoming hunting season? I think it's for, for us three, it's really the same as every year is to have fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, people can get stressed. I, I am one of them. I get stressed out. I don't get stressed out. I overanalyze things and I appear to be stressed, but I'm having a blast. I will say that. Um, but I think, you know, people forget what the, the goal of hunting is. And honestly, that is to be out in nature and to enjoy yourself. Right. So if, if we can just have fun and then, yeah, I mean, if uh, it's the same goal I have every year, I would like to harvest a mature whitetail and that's my, my goal with whitetail. My main goal though, if I could do anything this year, only one thing, I, I don't, you know, if that's the rules, right? I only get one thing, Dan, yep. Yep. is that what it is? Okay. Then I, I will pick to kill an elk. Okay. Over, over a whitetail. I have not killed an elk and I've been so damn close that it's pissing me off at this yeah. point. Yeah. So I need to put an elk on the ground or I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Any elk? I don't. Yeah. Cow. I don't give a shit, man. Yeah. Anything that's legal. Yeah. Is dying. That's the same with me and, and mule deer, man. That's all I want to do is shoot a mule deer. And, uh, and so this year I'm like, you know, there, there's some places for me in mule deer, you get this crossover where you could hunt, you could hunt a whitetail and that's the that's what i put myself in position for last year i really wanted to kill a a uh, a mule deer but i ran into some whitetail and so i shot a whitetail yeah yeah i'm taking whitetail out of the equation this year for at least the first part of the trip and i'm going strictly into mule deer country and i'm going to stay longer than i thought and and or longer than I did last time, I'm going to be better prepared and have more water available. So I don't hopefully have to leave and just hunt for mule deer strictly be a lot, a little bit more patient in my approach to it. And that the goal, is, the end game is just like you with elk. Like I just want to shoot a mule deer. I want to have, I want to be able to say, Hey, I'm a, you know, I've hunted um, I've hunted whitetails. I've shot whitetails, but I want to be like, I want to say I've shot a mule deer. And so that's the and goal. You said you're, you're going into a strictly, uh, muley area. Yeah. Strictly muley. Now that, that is so smart. Yeah. Cause you know, what's going to happen, right? If you like went to an area that was, you know, let's say spread out between the two mm -hmm. and you, and you had that same mindset that, Hey, I'm gonna, I'm not going to shoot a whitetail. What would have happened is day one, 175 inch white tail. <laughs> Shit, I win. You're gonna have to make yourself a liar because I don't know how you're not gonna. Shoot yeah, that right. Thing, right. No, no, and that's the, that's part of the reason, right? You take something out of the equation, it can't be, it can't be there. So yeah, that's uh, super smart. That, that's a good call. Yeah, and I don't care where I'm at. If I had a tag in my pocket for a for a white tail buck and 175 inch, I don't care if I'm hunting a bighorn sheep. And that was like, that's why I'm there. But I had a tag in my pocket for a whitetail as well. Dude, I'm sh I'm shooting a 175-inch whitetail. He's going to eat an arrow. Yeah, every <laughs> single day. Every single day. So, well, hey, man, like, 
everybody, if you're listening to this, it, like Nate and his crew, they're not uh, – they, they are the Missouri Woods and Water podcast, but they talk about topics from all over uh, North America, hunting and fishing related and, and, and predator hunting. Awesome podcast, tons of great information. So um, huge shout out to you and the Missouri Woods and Water podcast, Nate, and uh, good luck this upcoming season, man. Hey, thanks, man. And uh, thanks for having me on and, and same to you, bud. And there you have it, another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Tethered, Wasp, Excalibur, Hunt Stand, Vortex, and Exodus. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Keep an eye out on uh, the network changes that are going to be coming up. If you haven't already subscribed to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, you can do that on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. And last but not least, man, it's all about good vibes, positive energy, and uh, I cannot tell you how important that is. So uh, spread the good word, right? Be happy, be positive, good vibes in, good vibes out, wear your safety harness.